Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Welcome back to another episode of Messy Closet, and all I have to say is buckle up, because it has been a crazy weekend, and this whole Monday Madness episode is going to go all over the place because I have been doing some research and I have found some crazy, crazy things on the internet. I'm going to share them with you, so here we go. My first thoughts go to the victims of the Club Q Massacre. On November 19th to the 20th, on Trans Remembrance Day, a gunman unalived, five people injuring 25 others, 19 of them by gunfire. Now, the gunman was taken care of. One of the people who did this was an army veteran. He went into combat mode. This is via the New York Times. So Richard M. Fierro was at a table at Club Q with his wife, daughter, and friends on Saturday watching a drag show when the sudden flash of gunfire ripped across the nightclub and instincts forged during four combat deployments in Iraq, Afghanistan instantly kicked in. Fight back, he told himself, protect your people. So he was able to disarm this this man. And I'm not going to name the man. I'm not going to give the gunman any kind of recognition. Just that he was a 22-year-old man who for some reason chose this place and this time and this date to unalive some people for for what? So the suspect has been taken into custody, but the court records have been sealed. And this is like not the first time that this gunman's records have been sealed. The gunman had an AR style rifle and he entered the nightclub at 11.57 p.m. And it wasn't just the army vet, but there were several other patrons at this club that helped to subdue him. So here we go with that myth about good guys with a gun. Uvalde, Texas, please. And stopping the bad guys with a gun. The bad guy was stopped and subdued and taken into custody alive. So here's the big deal is this gunman had allegedly had a record. He was put in jail for threatening his mother's life. But his grandfather had the records sealed. So we're getting back to this. The records were sealed things. Now, here's the problem. Granddad is a politician. Okay. He is a politician who compared the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol 
to the U United States American Revolutionary War, like the whole 1776 thing, okay? So this man, he's a Republican. Since he's a public figure, I'm going to name him. He's Assemblyman Randy Vopel, and he represents parts of San Diego County and Riverside County in California's 71st Assembly District. So he was the mayor of Santee, California for two decades and lost his assembly bid for re-election this year. So this is the issue, is that we have these very, very right-wing people who just think that guns are more important than lives and their way of life is the superior and proper way and correct way and all of these things, and it is not. And the one thing that I am grateful for, even though we all felt like it took a long time, is that the GOP is finally not backing Trump and at least taking their party in a better and more stable direction. Because whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or independent, far right, leftist, whatever it is, we still need a certain amount of stability in this country. And we need politicians who are going to do that. The balance of power is always meant that one side doesn't have it all. That's why there's three branches, right? That's why there's two thirds, one third, the whole deal. It makes a big pie. But we're, we're not ever supposed to have one side fully have power. This is literally the way the four, our forefathers designed our government to work. So, we just, I'm just happy that they're taking this into a much, much calmer and, and just more, I'm hoping at least, I'm hoping, I could be wrong, but a better direction where we can just have politicians who are listening to what the people want because not everyone thinks the same in this country and go from there. But the kind of behavior that these very far right people, in my personal opinion, have is that it is okay to take the lives of people with whom you disagree on anything, their lifestyle, who they love, what they're doing. These people were dancing. My, my, my soul is broken. It's just like the pulse in Orlando all over again. What are you doing, people? It's not a video game. You can't get the lives back. Stop taking lives. Stop ruining lives. Stop tearing families and lives apart because you feel you are right. You are not. Stop it. I can't take this anymore. And my sincerest hope in the world is that this violence will end one day. So to the victims and their families and friends, my deepest and most sincere condolences. This must be the most difficult thing to go through. In one of the strangest and most horrific cases I have heard of in a long time, four students were brutally, brutally unalived, and there are two roommates who were left alive. And the police seem to think that these two roommates have nothing to do with the crime in question. Now, I had seen videos about this on TikTok last week. And 
the people reporting on this were asking why it had not been picked up by the mainstream media. Now, apparently, there are a lot of questions because the police still really have no leads after a full week. So the four victims were at a bar downtown and two of them had stopped at a food truck and then they came home and at some point they were unalived after 1.45 a.m. with two other roommates in the same house. Now, the two roommates didn't call 911 until the next afternoon. And it was about someone being unconscious, not someone with a stab wound. So there was a knife They said on the news it was a Rambo machete style knife and that's a pretty serious knife and it has not been located. They don't know if there's a threat to the community. So apparently in Moscow, Idaho, not a lot happens maybe, but traffic tickets, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being facetious right now, but there are no leads. And the fact that it took this long to get to mainstream media kind of says what people say about other police departments. Like, is there something that they don't want people to know? Did they mess up? Are these two other roommates suspects? Like, this is weird, okay? Because if you're talking about a machete, like a knife, that's like a very personal, personal crime. You're right on the person. You're hearing and seeing and experiencing it all. Unlike when you pull a trigger and you're, I don't know, maybe you become detached once you pull that trigger. But when you're literally taking someone's life via a knife, via stabbing, you're experiencing the death with them. Now, this person managed to do this four times to four different people with one weapon and not leave DNA, not leave the weapon, not leave footprints, handprints, fingerprints, hair, anything, anywhere. This seems very odd to me. And again, this is all just my speculation I'm not law enforcement. I don't have a background in any of this. I'm just thinking that if you're using a machete, if you've ever watched that show Naked and Afraid, like women can take a machete and take down a tree very easily by themselves. We've seen women be very capable of doing these things. And a machete, they said that there were defensive wounds on a couple of them. So that means that... Those wounds must have been deep and like just so painful. And you're like retreating but still fighting because obviously you want your life. Now, how did this one person manage to do that to four people and another two people in the home 
didn't hear anything. Like if I had heard something, I would have at least locked my door, barricaded myself in and called the police so that they wouldn't get me too, or climbed out a window or something. And if I was the person who did that, wouldn't I check the rest of the house if I had already just done that to four people to see if there were any other witnesses? This is just very strange to me. It just is. But remember, Colorado is where the John Bonet Ramsey case just had a breakthrough and it hadn't for like 20 years. So, I, oh, wait, this is Idaho. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying maybe like these small towns just like when these things don't happen, like how do you handle it? You know, I don't know. I don't know. But it just seems very strange to me that right off the bat, these other two roommates, because they're being cooperative, aren't suspects. But cooperative could be sure. I'll tell you whatever it is you want to know. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be the truth. There have been plenty of people that, you know, haven't told the truth for a very long time while being investigated, even after being sentenced saying that they were innocent, innocent, and then all of a sudden, you know, they say they're guilty. I don't know. Oh, this is just horrific, and it's a mystery, and, you know, that's just, like I said, buckle up, because I'm getting into more. So I'm just going to be updating on this case, because I really am just, you know, a true crime aficionado and I really want to know what's what's going to happen and if these four people are going to get justice. Okay, let's get back to Holly Weird because of course Kanye is back in the news and first he didn't show for his deposition for the divorce from Kim on how to break up their two point something billion dollar fortune and julia fox just said on e online that she dated kanye to get him off kim's case now whatever you think of julia fox i find her fascinating her leaf outfit although some people said it was tacky first of all she's got a hell of a body to pull that off. So her confidence is just incredible to me. Second, she went around and found each one of those individual leaves and picked them specifically for the reason that she liked the way they looked and was going to do something crafty like that. Third, that's a lot of work to do. And fourth, I kind of liked the look. And if she threw that over like a white cashmere turtleneck sweater, like a real flowy one, maybe with some scalloped edges and stuff and threw that over it with some boots, that's a great fall look to me. I say go, girl. I'm obsessed with it. And that is that. And if you dated Kanye to get him off Kim's case, you're, you're just like, there you go. But... I find her fascinating, and yeah, so this is weird. So Kanye doesn't show up for this deposition, but I don't understand why. Like, I would have gone. 
I would have showed up. I would have just gotten it out of the way. But maybe he still doesn't want the marriage to be over. Who knows? So Kanye and Kim started dating in 2011. Um, They got married in 2014. And that lasted until January of 2021. And then we know that Kim famously dated Pete uh, Davidson. And I just thought that that was weird. And there you go. So that's their dating life. So the whole thing to me is really strange. But again, it's Holly weird. And, you know, you have to hand it to anyone who is going to allow their life to be talked about, like, in this way all the time and and gossiped about for, like, whatever reasons. And I don't know if I'm gossiping. I don't know what I'm doing. But here's the weird, weird thing. So... I go looking on TikTok now because once I found out about the Moscow, Idaho incident on TikTok before the news, I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something to this Gen X lady. Maybe there is something to, you know, being able to get the news before the news and people are really telling the truth. And that's kind of what Twitter used to be. And I'll get to Twitter in a bit. But there is this account, Sammy Bronowski, okay? And I'm searching all over TikTok, and he found out that Kanye West said that he is Jewish. And he said, do your research on that. So Sammy went and did his research. So he went to childhood friends of Kanye and follow him on TikTok or check out this video. And he knocks on a door and it is a Jewish man. And he says, says this is where Kanye lived. And he points out a building in a Hasidic community in Brooklyn, New York. That was Kanye's childhood home. And it turns out that he really is from a family of Orthodox Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York. So I'm going to butcher this name. Moti Yeshivovitz is Kanye's childhood friend and said some people call him the perfect Jew. He he bar mitzvahed him down the block and he would say that when he went to light the menorah he would skip candles by accident and he would say Kanye all the lights hmm all of the lights his 2010 song off of his album my beautiful dark fantasy this is really interesting to me So that came from this rabbi. So he says that all of his raps are Yiddish. They come from Yiddish. And I'm listening and I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something to this. So he would chant and he was, they pointed out where he would sit And he said, why does he say all of these negative things about the Jewish people? And his friend answered, he's a self-hating Jewish person, but he didn't use that word. He used 
the short word for it, which I won't at this point. So he says, like me, like you. So Kanye wasn't lying. And what they say to him is no matter where you roam, you can always come back home. You can, And they say this a few times in the video. And he says, he'll come back. They always come back. And I think that that just sums up the beauty of the Jewish religion right there is acceptance and forgiveness. It sounded like with that explanation of who he is. So I was quick to judge in my episode, Kanye canceled himself and you can go listen to that, but I'm very surprised by this. So look that up. Um, I'm, I'm just, I've, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say. But it's Sammy Bernowski, and that's he's got 120.3K followers. So, yeah, you can check him out. It seems like a legit thing. I just, yeah, well, there you go. I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. So, yeah, I'm saying now that I'm getting a lot of my news and everything on TikTok as opposed to Twitter. Now, I had a secret Twitter account. It was literally like a fake name about being from New York because that is me. And I really just wanted to keep up on the midterm politics and the elections in New York. And I was I've deactivated five other Twitter accounts. And once it's because a really old man, older man than me, wanted to have a Twitter fight with me and I tweeted something about him that was very embarrassing and true. And I, that was the first account that I deleted. And I'm not gonna repeat what I said, but who was he mad? It was funny. Don't ask me for a Twitter fight, you will get one. And I really hate Twitter because I just think it's a cesspool of evil and vile hatred. And that's just how I feel. But after Elon Musk took it over, it got worse. So he wanted to go like hardcore Twitter and he wanted freedom of speech. So I said something about him being a moron and he locked that account. So then I just deactivated it because I was like, I'm not going back anyway. But... The thing is, he hasn't locked the accounts and he has also spread misinformation and then had to delete tweets. Now, I didn't understand what he was doing walking in with a sink. And then I realized like a week later, huh, let that sink in. I'm sorry, dude, all your billions, you're still a corny, corny, like just person that all the money in the world, I would not want to spend one hour, one minute in a room with you. I saw that picture of him on the yacht. Like, he's literally see-through. It looks like someone, like, like dripped glue on him and then threw powder on him. Like, no one's supposed to be that white. It's freaky. Literally thin-skinned. Both literal and figurative. But here's the thing. There's this person who is projecting things onto the outside of the Twitter building and now it just has an arrow pointing to it that says launching to bankruptcy. It has said Musk's hellscape, worthless billionaire. It said space Karen, lawless oligarch. And, you know, 
he was sending like these nasty emails to people and he was sending like memes of him firing people, then trying to rehire them. Like he fired half of the company within the first few days. And then he gave this ultimatum and said that he was going to give severance pay. So either take my ultimatum or take your severance pay. Well, of course, everyone's going to take the severance pay. And I'm sure now that's late because he wasn't expecting that many people to leave and take the severance pay. But why? Why are you going to help someone who walked in and treated half your co-workers like they were something stuck to the bottom of his shoe? What else do they call him? A colonizer. I'm going to say something, and I don't say this often, but you know how they say if Americans always say to people, go back to where you came from? Elon Musk is the one person that can leave the country, go back, bye, or go to Mars. Go. Go there. No one cares. Because you know what? You don't know what you're doing. You just want to be in charge of something and you ran out of people to bully and boss so you took it to a public forum and the public is not going to take that from you. It's just that no one is. Literally, like if this was back in the 80s, first of all, our Twitter was just us writing notes to each other. And then it's like you took that note and you put it on the Internet and you called it Twitter and it was like live and everyone that followed you could comment on it and read it and say how stupid you are for writing that thing. It's insane. But back in the 80s, if he did that, you know, there would have been a much easier time for him to have gotten away with hurting employees the way that he has and he is. And he's ruining businesses too who use Twitter as their main advertising. Some Twitter users actually monetize being on Twitter with their blue checks. He ruined the whole blue check thing too. I mean, the point of the blue check is that if I get a message from someone saying they're you know, a superstar, but there's no blue check next to them, chances are they don't have a secret account. So it's like Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, is helping you verify that the person is who they say they are and you can trust them. It's not a vanity project to give someone with 130 followers a blue check and then they pay for it. I mean, he can write a book, How to Lose 44 Billion in 10 Minutes. It's, I'm not even sad about it because he's just not someone that I think did anything good with his money. Like, be more philanthropic. You have it all. You have the ability to do so much good in the world. And instead, you want to take hardworking people who rely on that salary and, and thousands of them were employed. And you want to just let them go. And now you've just caused another unemployment crisis in that whole area. What are you doing? What are you thinking? This is how out of touch someone with that much money is that they can just come in, change the rules, make up what they want, lock accounts. Ha ha, you can't do this. It's a parody. It's not a parody. You know who's a parody? Elon Musk, you are. You are a parody of a billionaire. You are really seriously a joke. And back in the 80s, no amount of money would have made you cool or attractive or, uh, you know, even even like interesting. 
to anyone. It's the fact that there is this social media that allowed you to push your wealth out there so that we could see it and people could admire you. Well, I'm the girl that don't care who your daddy is or who you are or how much money you have. I have been rich. I have been poor. I have been homeless. I'm telling you guys, none of it matters in the spiritual journey as long as you keep your soul, as long as you don't sell out to the point where you don't recognize yourself anymore and you're so out of touch with reality that buying a social media site as a vanity project to try to tell people what to do and control them and, and say that it's free speech, but it's not. It's then your speech, not free wasn't my speech. I couldn't call you a moron. I can't hear. So, oh my goodness, this has just been the craziest thing. But back in the 80s, it would have been so easy for him to get away with and treat these employees badly because it would have only been word of mouth. We wouldn't know in 10 seconds what's happening across the country. So, as much as I say I miss the old days, the analog days of writing things down and looking things up in the encyclopedia, I still miss the videos on MTV. I will never not miss that. But I am grateful for the fact that we can find sources of truth through the misinformation on social media and it can connect us to things that will help us, but it can also help point out what's wrong with the world. So it is a gift. It's just a weird gift, one that I am not used to, one that as a kid I never saw coming. And this has just been the craziest weekend. So yeah, there will only be two more episodes this week. I'm going to take off for Thanksgiving and Black Friday and the weekend and just chill out. And I will be back that following Monday for all holiday stuff. So thank you all so much for listening. Honestly, 22, almost 23,000 of you have tuned in. And I am so grateful because you have helped make part of my spiritual journey worth it. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Messy Closet and don't forget to keep art and keep love alive.